Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Geeks, what's up? We welcome you into the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Go here with you, joined alongside, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if you like Matt Harmon, <laughs> you are going to love today's show. If you hate Matt Harmon, just turn off your podcast. I was going right to say, now. damn, everybody just turn the show off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and Harmon today. No Alex Gelhar, who's still doing some legal stuff. Not, not his own. Yeah, for once. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, no Marcus Grant. Uh, he's doing famous stuff. TV stuff, yep. Right. Adam Rank, no. He's TV doing stuff. some famous stuff as well. It's just you and me, pal. <laughs> this is so weird. I mean, well, also, like, my grand plan of slowly taking everybody out right. until this is eventually just NFL Harmon live. <laughs> I was talking with uh, producer Christina before we got on yeah, here yeah, about, yeah. about how I'm going to work that out. That's good. Yeah, uh, we have a plan to take oh, it over. That's yeah, good. we got a whole so plan. It's going to be Harmon show from now it's on. It's going to be the Harmon show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Christina NFL will Harman chime live. in. She'll, yeah. she'll, yeah, we'll yeah. have a good back and forth. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody else is gone. I'll soon eliminate you. Don't right. worry. That's coming okay. next. That's good. And then it'll just be my one-hour podcast on, on on my takes on on feelings and such i mean we will have a feelings segment i see speaking of which we're kind of yeah. coming off a big feelings weekend i guess oh yeah no say. doubt about it uh, we had the franchise wedding yeah that was fun he's alive yeah he has been tweeting again so he is he's alive <laughs> that but that was good that was a good time uh, it was good to have oh my the, the god it was back to, yeah the, the stronghold is all back together by the way i don't know if you saw this i put it in slack but yesterday i was doing a couple of uh a couple interviews with some players. I talked to Christian Kirk, the wide receiver draft prospect, and yeah, yeah. Kel Roby Coleman, the Rams slot corner. I get on my phone to pull up, like, the voice memo app. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let me – and I'm like, oh, God. I have a, a two-minute and 30-second <laughs> recording just titled Mrs. Co. Do you remember me interviewing your wife? Yeah, you at interviewed the, yeah. my wife. Yeah, at the, uh, at the with wedding. With the voice memo function. Yeah. So I it's went recorded. Back, I went back and listened to it yesterday. And Is it awesome? Oh, it's illuminating. <laughs> it's illuminating. That's why that's why as a as a good journalist <clears throat> there, you know, getting the scoop wow. on, on Mrs. Co. And, you know, yeah. she's kind of been this mysterious figure. It's the first time we that's any true. of us have met her. She doesn't go by Mrs. Co., but yes. Yes. Yeah. But but uh I'm like, oh, oh. 
Well, I better if she starts. She kept the maiden name for anyone li- wondering about that. Right, right, right. Well, she but she uh, she goes uh, into the story about how you guys met, <laughs> oh, and I God. said, "Hang on a second, can I get Jesus this on the record?" God. Which I got on the record, and let's just say, if you ever wrong me, I'll just release that to the public. <sighs> I feel as if we should just release it. <clears throat> I don't know. I need. To, <laughs> we need to, I need to screen it a yeah, few more times. <laughs> we need to call through that. Yeah. Yeah. Might might have to have Christina help me edit it with yeah, some bleeps. Oh, some serious bleeping. Yeah. Yeah. We can on. clean it up. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate we'll that. Well, up. when oh, in the first episode after you're gone, and it's just me. <laughs> yeah. We'll air, That'll be the first. We'll air that bad boy. If yeah. you're wondering why James Coe is not on the podcast, here you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, producer Christina, what's going on? How you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm ready to get into it, man. we got a big show in front of us here today. Uh, going to be talking all things NFL, all things New York Jets. Allegedly, yeah. we will get Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News on the phone. Uh, he's a columnist for the New York Daily News, as we said, as well as a Jets insider. He will give us some details, I will hope, uh, on that massive trade on the draft, plus all these different signings that's going on. Uh, with the Jets as well. I thought they actually overachieved a little bit, despite their, um, you know, they had a bad record last year. But uh, I thought they overachieved a bit. Uh, I thought they were a lot closer. I think they are a lot closer than a lot of folks might give them credit for. But uh, a lot of a lot of signings, a lot of different things going on in the offseason as well. So let's get right into it. We'll start your show with your top fantasy headlines. News, 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 news. Jordy <laughs> Nelson. Signed with the Oakland Raiders, who then cut Michael Crabtree, who turned around and then signed with the Baltimore Ravens. After they voided the crazy contract they were about to give Ryan Grant, who then turned around and signed with the Colts. Got it? A lot went on. (laughs) A lot of dominoes falling there, and all starts with Jordy Nelson. Okay, so he goes to the Raiders. What does it mean, Matt Harmon? I really don't like this move at all for the Raiders because I feel like they got worse uh, at the wide receiver two position. I don't know about you, but I think that right now Michael Crabtree is a better player than Jordy Nelson is right now. I think they're about the same. I think their price was about the same. I think their skills are about the same. Um, I think this is a move in the right direction from a culture standpoint, a leadership standpoint. Um, I don't know, man. I think a talent from the talent for me, anyways, I think the talent is a lateral move. I think it's a re- move in the right direction if they want to try to develop both Amari Cooper and uh, Derek Carr. Yeah. If they want to give the the reins finally, the passing game reins to Derek Carr and Amari Cooper, I think this makes it at least a, some sense there. Because listen, man, when Michael Crabtree is on the field, Derek Carr favors him, mm-hmm. tends to look for him. I know that Amari Cooper was coming off a horrendous twenty seventeen. Yeah. But the Raiders got to know what they got in Amari Cooper. Does he fall flat on his face in 2018 when given the lead roles? Because it's funny you say this, right? Like as a number two wide receiver, for the last three years, it's been Michael Crabtree. Right, 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 right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it has been. been. He's led the team in targets, I think, in 2015 and 2016. Uh, So, yeah, no, it's it's been – Last year was a bad year for Crabtree because of injuries and everything, and the whole Oakland offense really fell apart. They did. Uh, If you look at Derek Carr, though, and just the Raiders' passing game over the last two years, even back in their successful season, what they've been really poor on is these contested tight window passes. Carr is a really timing-based, anticipatory passer that gets the ball out really quickly, um, which was a great fit with Michael Crabtree. It's why he revived his career with Oakland, but – 
Uh, looking at the next-gen stats, actually, in 2016, Derek Carr ranked 19th on passer rating on tight window throws, and obviously last year regressed all the way to 33rd in the NFL uh, with a 58.2 and a 21.8 rating on those tight window throws. Like he led the NFL on interceptions on those throws. So I thought they needed a player that could kind of help on those contested passes. And I don't know that that's Jordy Nelson anymore. Actually, Packers quarterbacks had a 0.0 passer rating throwing to him on those Is that tight window passes. It's not good. good. <laughs> and before you come in with like, oh, it's all Brett Hundley, even when yeah. Aaron Rodgers played to start the year, right. uh, he had a, I believe, zero passer rating on those plays. So 15 of – 15 catches on 19 targets. I just don't know that this is really the move that, that upgrades their pass game. I think it's a lateral move at best. I, I get it that it's about culture and, and leadership and all that, and John Gruden wants to set a tone. But to me, I don't think their offense is, is any better uh, than what it was last year. I don't really see how they've improved with this move. I don't think they've improved. Like I said, I think from a talent standpoint, it's it's lateral to me. But I will say this. On the outside, Jordy Nelson last year was just, was just awful. Mm-hmm. But from the slot perspective, if Jordy Nelson embraces his role, maybe takes that like late career Larry Fitzgerald step forward yeah. and says, hey, man, let me be a slot guy. Let me be that reliable slot guy. You talk about Derek Carr being a timing-based quarterback. I could not agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. And that's kind of why I think they get a technician like Jordy Nelson. If he's running around in the slot, hey, I don't know, man. I mean, I think from a talent standpoint, explosive athleticism standpoint, I think it's lateral. But maybe, maybe, maybe. It might be a step in the right direction, might be a slight improvement if Jordy Nelson wants to move to the inside. So my theory on on even top level wide receivers, you know, like what you would hope Amari Cooper is going to be or I like even Julio Jones or a Michael Thomas, you know, A.J. Green, these verifiable wide receiver ones. I think you should be giving those guys, you know, 30 percent 25 percent of their targets out of the slot just because those guys are high percentage i mean those routes are high percentage yep you accumulate production you build confidence in your wide receivers mixes up the defense a little bit mixes up the defense and again you just you're seeing less tight physical press man coverage than you were on the outside where you've got a sideline and everything like that uh to help out the cornerback The, the so and if you look at Amari Cooper's best game this past year, that 200-yard yeah. game against the Chiefs. Out of nowhere. Yeah, that was – and a lot of that, even though he was still dropping passes, still had some failures at the catch point, Yeah, they were running him at about 30% rate out of the slot. And I think that I would love to see – uh, them do that more with Cooper this year. Don't just strictly use him on the outside on the sure. boundary. Mix him up. And I just hope that Jordy Nelson signing, again, it doesn't really mess with that plan because to me I still think they need to add – you know, maybe one more outside receiver, and maybe they could complete that move. But to me, I just – again, I just see this as kind of a lateral move, and I'm not really excited about anybody's fantasy potential because of it. Um, per next-gen stats, we talk about Jordan Nelson potentially moving into the slot, and, and I hope he does because, you know, when we looked at what his numbers were like last year, weeks one through five with a healthy – Aaron Rodgers, when Jordy Nelson was lined up outside per next-gen stats, he had 2.4 yards of separation. The NFL average on the outside for a wide receiver is 2.5. So he was below Mm -hmm. the NFL average. Now, when he moved into the slot, okay, his separation was 3.5 yards per target. The NFL average for a wide receiver in the slot was 2.8. Yeah. So it it kind of paints that picture of, hey – Here's this guy who used to be an elite outside wide receiver, still a great technician Mm. as a wide receiver, does not fully utilize or doesn't depend on 100% his athleticism, more his route running, precision route running. 
I think that's the right move. Yeah, me too. So if they're going to use him in one way, I hope that's it. I think the the metrics there paint a great picture of how he should be used going forward. Yeah. Hopefully that's the way it goes in Oakland. Again, I just I just worry that for for their team building sake, I don't think that they got any better on offense. There you go. All point. right, trickle down effect. Michael Crabtree then again goes from Oakland, got cut by them, and then now he goes to a wide receiver needy team in the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think the target share should be about the same for him, 2017 to 2018. But are, is his has his athleticism, has his skills degraded in any way? Where you're saying to yourself, ah, I don't know about Michael Crabtree in Baltimore. I think Crabtree can can really thrive in Baltimore. I mean, if Flacco, if you look at the receivers that he has he has had success with, and there hasn't been like a big fantasy monster in, nah. in Baltimore, but it's been these Derek Mason, Steve Smith guys, kind of uh, Matt Williamson, who used to work for ESPN, he does a lot of different stuff now, including some fantasy work. He always says that Flacco likes to have his whoopee, you know, the little blanket that makes okay. him feel good to <laughs> yeah. rely on. And who's he, that? I think it could be Michael Crabtree in this, in this scenario. You know, uh, a guy who – I think you could easily soak up 130 targets uh, with with the Ravens here because I mean their passing game is just bereft of, of of talent. I like there's nobody there. Yeah, I love John Brown. I mean everybody knows I like John Brown. Yeah. If he's healthy. Like I think he could be a really great piece to this passing game. It sounds like Ozzie Newsom is really excited about him from their introductory press conference. I uh, love what he had to say about Brown. But again, health is a big question for Crabtree. If he's out there, if he's 100, percent I think he'd be the easy guy to lead the team in targets. I don't think he's going to produce great fantasy numbers, but he could easily catch 80 balls there yeah um and also that's what i got him for yeah that's it sounds about right like i think a a solid like maybe mid to low end wide receiver too Mm -hmm. Uh, and you probably get him at a bargain honestly and even so i think like late career anquan bolden those are the sort of numbers that would be nice you're you're looking for um one other note on the ravens passing him i I keep want to bring keep wanting to bring this up until the draft happens you know daniel jeremiah our nfl network uh, draft analyst he used to work for the Ravens. He continues okay. to beat the drum that they yeah. could draft a quarterback. Uh, he's mocked him a quarterback at a couple spots. Where do they um, pick? They pick in the in the middle of the first round. I think pick sixteen. So I don't know. So that, either they're going to have to move up or take Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and I think if you're Ozzie Newsom, it makes sense because he's retiring after this year. Who's retiring? Ozzie, Ozzie Newsom. Newsom. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He he's going to be gone as the general manager. Um, I think the organization still likes Joe Flacco a lot. I think sure. they, they like him more than the outside likes <laughs> him. But okay. I think if you're if you're the GM, it would make a lot of sense to okay, let me help this veteran quarterback that we still like kind of end his career on a high note. But let yeah. me also secure the future of this organization by taking a quarterback here in what's a pretty good class, at least one to five. Um, and maybe they take one of the, you know, a Mason Rudolph or a Kyle Lalette or whatever to 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 groom for for later years, right. but. That's if they wanted just, to go later in the draft. Yeah, that's just something I think to yeah. keep an eye on when we're talking about the Ravens passing game. You know, Joe Flacco obviously doesn't inspire much confidence at this point in his career. I mean, he's 33 years old. Uh, he's going to be 33 going into next season, right? So it's not – for quarterback, he's not – He's not old. Yeah, he's just been really bad. Yeah, <laughs> the I last mean, two years yeah, have been no, oh, oh my god, it's been it's been awful. That being said, he hasn't had anybody to throw to. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the running game has been stifled as well. So it's been. I think Hardball's done a great job uh, of carrying the talent that they have, but they don't have a lot of talent on the offensive side. They've tried to address it. They failed. Yeah, they just keep swinging and missing at wide yeah. receiver. I mean, Prashad Perryman. Yep. All these guys, you know, they let they let Tory Smith go. Steve Smith retires. Yep. They just keep having to transition, transition, transition. There's really no communication there between the passing. I mean, Macklin was a failure signing. Oh Mike Wallace is yeah. walking. So, yep. yeah, they've just not had a lot of consistency. But I think Flacco has has a 
a pretty decent amount to do with that too. Yeah, I think so. Um, I I'd love to see them surround Joe Flacco with at least they need one big receiver, and I think size has been an issue on the outside for Baltimore as well. Joe Flacco just hasn't had that guy to be able to lean on, to rely on. So, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to see them go big there. If if they're in the middle of the first round, I mean, hell. If Cortland Sutton is there, I, I wouldn't hate that move at all yeah, uh, for Baltimore if, if that's there, if that's there for them. Um, a Sutton-Michael Crabtree combo would be interesting, actually, on the outside for Joe Flacco. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, uh, ben Albright, who is a, he's a radio host in Denver, and he's an insider and all that, yep, uh, yep. he actually tweeted out, I think, last week that uh, a free agent said to him, like, I don't think I'm going to be going to Baltimore because I don't think that I have the skill set uh, that they're looking for, which is just run real deep and hope to get a PI flag. There it so is. That, that, they have not That's really it. had much of a message in terms of <laughs> what are we looking for in draft That's process. That's it. So. That is it. That's what Joe Flacco likes to do. Uh, All right. So, uh, again, we talk about the trickle-down effect. Jordy goes to Oakland. Michael Crabtree goes to Baltimore. Now, remember, Baltimore would not be able to sign. I guess they could have maybe, but um, they probably wouldn't have signed Michael Crabtree if they had gone through with their original deal to wide receiver Ryan Grant. Mm. Listen, man, I I mean, failed medical, it it just screams buyer's remorse to me. It just screamed. They got skewered. I read the mentions. They got destroyed online, over the airwaves, everywhere for this signing. Uh, They originally wanted to sign Ryan Grant to a four-year, $29 million deal. What's his market value? Well, listen, he just signed with the Colts for a one-year, $5 million deal. The four-year 29 was just so outrageously over the top. Well, for a, $14.5 million guaranteed. What are you guys doing, Baltimore? Yeah, it was very confusing. But they, 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 they got out of it. It just to me was shady, man. I don't, I don't really have a take on the whole That's, medical thing. That is shady, bro. When it comes, when it comes to, yeah, obviously they overvalued Ryan Grant with that first contract. Buyer's remorse. I, I think he's a pretty decent player. I mean, but not a plus star, like not a starter. No, you know, I think he's a great reserve if you've got him as a reserve. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, even the one year five million. That's that's a good price for him. I think. I mean, he could prove everybody wrong and just ball out. Maybe he was underappreciated in Washington. But bottom line was, man, he was a backup wide receiver there. Yeah, he was like kind of a coach's pet is what yeah. it seemed like in, in Washington. You know, he would consistently get playing time over. Uh, I mean, when they had, you know, Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxton there in Washington, they never really wanted to seem to put the – when when Pryor was healthy before he went on IR and yeah. Doxson was t- starting to take his job. Yep. They didn't ever seem to want to take Grant off the field for one of those guys because they liked what he brought as like a flanker possession receiver type right? because he practices well and he runs good routes and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they didn't want to – they didn't ever want to put one of those guys a flanker over Grant. So whatever reason, they liked him. The Ravens seemed to like something about him. But now he goes to a passing game in, in Indianapolis where they need – I mean, they need help. Oh, like, my God. After T.Y. Hilton – you're Who looking at you're look, Shontavious Jones, Colby Who? Listenby. No. Like ghosts of preseason daily fantasy <laughs> past, you know? So I, I think that he's actually walked into kind of a maybe even a better opportunity here if Andrew yeah. Luck is healthy. I mean, the only established guy other than T.Y. established guy behind T.Y. Hilton is like Chester Rogers. They're actually sniffing around Cameron Meredith, the restricted free right, agent from the exactly Bears. Right. So yep. they're definitely they definitely need help. So anybody that goes to this passing game is at least gonna be like on the sleeper radar, kind of. Uh so I think in the end, 
obviously financially really sucks for Grant. But speaking of Grant, hey, that's really good timing. Of Grant, it we is just... Marcus Grant stepping in, suit and all. Look at this guy showing up. We were just talking about uh, your brother, uh, Ryan Grant. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, uh, bro, bro Ryan? Yeah, bro Ryan. <laughs> the shady dealings that Baltimore just uh, reneged on their deal uh, with some sketchy medical reports. It's really sad because, you know, the, the, I have had a good time in the city of Baltimore, but I'm, okay. I'm sad they didn't treat my uh, my brother. Very yeah, what's up with that? Oh, no. I don't know. That's Baltimore is a nice city. It's a nice city. It's kind I've of never been. Uh, my whole my whole mom's side of the family is from Baltimore. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it was there cute. We go. That, and it was cute that like now they have Crabtree. They're known for their crab cakes. Hey, Crabtree kind of hey. football. That's what Maryland does. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there you Perfect. go. Um, all right. So we talk about the Colts. Ryan Grant going there on a one year five million dollar deal. So do they need pass catchers? Oh, you bet. That's why I think the Colts decided to then sign tight end Eric Ebron to a two year fifteen million dollar deal. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Uh, for Eric Ebron, it was – it made sense from a football perspective. Financially, I'm not that sure, but I did think well, it was – Well, they have more money to burn than any team right now, so who cares? I was – I was. it's a curious signing to me because they've got a good all-around tight end in Jack Doyle. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the guy that they should try to develop. Eric Ebron there confuses that – tight end mix at least a bit for me i'm surprised they didn't try to go blocking tight end because blocking has been such an issue in indianapolis for so long eric ebron good good athlete not necessarily known for his you know strong run blocking ability so um i'm surprised Uh, i was a little bit surprised from an x's and o's standpoint uh i guess eric ebron going from detroit to Indianapolis again. It the other question is, what does that mean for a guy like Eric Swoop, who was supposed to be sort of? That, I mean, you know I, what? That's yeah. a great question. But I mean, he was such a low draft pick. I think was. He was but there was a lot of hype with this guy. There was his athleticism. No, you're and right. What he could do, and so you're now right. all of a sudden they're just kicking him to the curb. I think so. I yeah. think that's what they're going to do. He's just one of those players that, like, there was a lot of hype, and then he got injured. And it's sometimes if you're one of if you're a low priority player, you know, you just lose that momentum, and the team has no investment in you right, and whatever. Um, yeah, it's a weird – for fantasy, I hate – I mean, it's not a great landing spot for no. Ebron, even though there's opportunity for – It's terrible for Jack Doyle, too. Yeah, well, I just – and, it, you know, I think these two guys probably cancel each other out a little yep. bit. And, you know, I know everybody's always chasing the magical two tight end set, but uh, honestly, outside of Hernandez and Gronk, uh, when have we ever really seen two guys strive at once? I, I don't think that it's ever no. really happened. From a fantasy standpoint. From a fantasy standpoint. Real yeah, life, yeah, it yeah. works well um, if if they run it well. But from a fantasy standpoint – Especially because you mentioned, I mean, Eric Ebron, definitely not a blocker. More of like, I think they can use him as like a big slot type. Um, it's good for your offense. It's never all that great for fantasy. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. You t- you mentioned the Patriots. Great at double tight end sets. Uh, they re-signed running back Rex Burkhead to a three-year, 9.75 million dollar whoop, deal. Whoop. <laughs> they also signed Jeremy Hill, who's obviously going to be Corey Dillon 2.0. Okay, over because he's going because he's going to the Patriots. Over under touchdowns. I'm going to set it at seven and a half. What under huge uh, under? See, what? So, okay, so no huge under. Full disclosure, because Matt Harmon and and I and yes. uh, researcher Bill Smith yes. kind of had this conversation okay. on Friday, and I, I have rethought my stance from what I because I originally said he's going to score like three touchdowns, but then we actually thought about it and we're like Jeremy Hill could legitimately have like 300 rushing yards and eight touchdowns next year. No. <laughs> He really could. No. He really could. It could really happen.
wrap. I had to wrap my so mind like, around that. He either, Wait, either, what does that look? What what does that season look like? Either he's gonna, yards either he's gonna have like a ton of touchdowns and like be kind of okay. productive, or right. he'll be Mike Gillisley and he'll be like inactive. He'll be deactivated for like. Did they? The did they? Didn't they si- re-sign Mike Gillisley too? He's still on the roster. Uh, they they could cut him. They could trade him. Okay. I mean, yeah, he was inactive for so long. What, yeah, what no, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was just wondering if they had him under contract. Look, you can think Jeremy Hill sucks or whatever, but he scored 29 touchdowns over his first three years, rushing touchdowns. 9, 11, 9. Okay. That's, he's a proven touchdown scorer. He's a good, good goal linebacker. I, I just I just looked at uh, Mike Gillisley's contract. He's definitely getting cut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got a cap hit of two point one million dollars, and it's dead dead cap of like nothing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, he could gone. easily be gone. But Jeremy Hill, I think, is a good fit as a. I mean, as a power back there, they they want to have. I that guess that dimension. Op- I don't know. Mike Gillisley not being there opens the door. Deion Lewis obviously not being there uh, opens the door a little bit as well. The thing about the Patriots, <clears throat> you know, obviously it is sort of the Sphinx's riddle trying to figure out their backfield situation, but I felt, right. like, I felt like we had a good handle on it yeah. last year for a while. You oh, know? Yeah. oh, yeah. We, we figured out the division of labor between Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead Both and, were and all those guys yeah. until Burkhead got hurt, and then that kind of threw things into chaos a little bit. Right. But, I, you know, I get the feeling that this will kind of shake out the same way. Burkhead kind of becomes their main back because yeah. he can do a little bit of everything. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and then He's Jeremy Hill. Healthy. Right, and Jeremy Hill becomes the hammer. He becomes that short yardage goal line back, which is where you get your 300 yards and eight touchdowns from. <laughs> yeah. Look, this is and this is a nice contract for Burkhead. Uh, yeah, five and a half million guaranteed at signing. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a nice that's a nice chunk of change for oh, a, yeah. a role playing back and. They definitely who, who trust. has not been able to stay healthy as well. Yeah, for sure. He he definitely needs to work. They believe on that. in him. They obviously believe in him. When he came back from that injury, he did become at at worst their lead pass catching back over a guy like James White, who's had a lot of success with that organization. Right. They re-signed Rex Burkhead to this decent money. I mean, I think he's going to be like a mid-round fantasy pick and a and a fantasy starter in this offense. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm fully on board with with Burkhead and and Jeremy Hills at least interesting. Um, some uh, a, a couple of red flags regarding Rex Burkhead. You, you look at the production last year. You. I'm just saying. Look, I'm not even I don't even know what your flags are yet. I'm already flagging. <laughs> I'm already flagging, I'm already flagging them as slander. You're you're flagging my flag. Yeah. Um, no, look. You, you look at the overall production. You say, okay, pretty good. You know, a good touchdown maker, good yardage per game. Uh, his yards per carry, 4.1 yards per carry. So he was there. He was right there. But that being said, we use next gen stats. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Uh, his yards gained after close, not good. Uh, not good at all, as a matter of fact. 3.2 yards gained after close. Again, smallish sample size, but just to just to give you an idea, 3.2 yards gained after close, that would be less than such luminaries as Peyton Barber. It's right around Chris Ivory level, who had 3.19. Amir Abdullah, who could not run the ball with any proficiency at all, 3.18. Yards gained after close. Now, where Rex Burkhead, you're wondering, okay, well, how the hell did he get to to 4.1 yards per carry? Well, this is the craziest thing. The offensive line was generating nearly uh, a full yard for him before a defender got to within one yard. That helps. That's just just the one red flag and the health as well. Surrounding record. I, I will say, if you look at back at 2016 when he was with the Bengals, he was up all the way all the way there at 4.6 on for yards gained after yes. close. So, I, and this stat does if you don't sustain a ton of carries, if you sustain a ton, if you get a ton of carries 
it does tend to be really stable. But for these guys that vary in workload and team also, there's some shifts to it. So I I would say that I won't put that as like a death nail for Burkhead just yet. No, no, I'm not. And again, listen, at at the right price, I'm I'm all in on on Burkhead with Deion Lewis out the door. I'm just saying – you know, maybe, uh, maybe pump the brakes. Just, just, just tap the brakes. Tap them. Just tap, 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 just tap, just tap, 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 tap. Marcus, do we tap the brakes or what? No, man. We, we mash the gas and we go full steam ahead. And look, I, I know a lot of the fantasy community too will love Rex Burkhead moving forward. Rex Burkhead is your favorite analyst, favorite running back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, fantasy Twitter is going to love Rex Burkhead, and that's fine. That's okay. Um, Leggy Blunt, former Patriots running back. Won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in a full revenge game. Leggy Blunt signed with the Detroit Lions, giving them a big-bodied back to pair, does allegedly. Does mean the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> That's right. He's won two Super Bowls. He's Bowl won two Super Bowls <laughs> with different teams. <laughs> Lions to the Super Bowl. Here we go. <laughs> uh, is Leggy Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt, is he worth anything in standard scoring leagues? We're talking non-PPR. Oh, okay. yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. Look, yeah. The, the Lions have been woeful as oh, a they're running so bad. team. They're uh, so bad. They give him, they give Legarrette Blunt a decent deal, uh, in terms of you know what what many teams have over the last couple of years, and I think they expect him to come in and be a power back. Obviously, this could is all he get, the lead? Um, the early downs right yes. now. But, but the thing, the thing is though, and like, they transition Amir Abdullah to passing downs. I mean, they have Theoretic as their passing this, down back. This also doesn't preclude them from letting one of those guys go and drafting. Yeah, somebody. yeah. That, like, I, I really would like to see them get somebody, maybe a, a Darius Geis. Yeah, hello. Uh, somebody like that. You know, uh, who else nice. could I think of? Um, you know, Nick Chubb, somebody like that. I think go would get be a, a good fit there in Detroit. I mean, so. Having LeGarrette Blunt on the roster does not preclude them from adding more help. Yeah, this could all get thrown completely out of the window if and when they draft somebody in the second, third round, whatever, add another body to the mix. Because right now, all these guys are super predictable. Right. Um, you know, if if you know that if LeGarrette Blunt is in the is in the game, they're running the football. They're running the football. You know, if Theoretic is in the game, they're throwing the football. And if you know Amir Abdul is in the game, nothing is going to really happen. <laughs> so right now they're a little too predictable. Um, no, I, you know, I wonder, though, because if they keep in LeGarrette Blunt, it'll – I think it can actually help mask what they're going to be doing a little bit because he's good uh, He's good in the pass-blocking game. Uh, if they keep him in for pass-blocking, then that would be nice. And then they can, again, mix up the, the run-pass option there. Because, again, as you mentioned, man, it was when Theo Riddick was in the game – he, he's yeah. He he's not. He's like right. the, like Blunt is one of the worst pass catching backs, and Riddick is one of the worst early down like between the tackles runners. So. I got you. Amir Abdullah, by the way, on the last year of his rookie deal, he will be an unrestricted free agent entering 2019, and I imagine he will be an unrestricted free agent. One would think. I would think so. Um, is the Hunter Henry breakout with the Chargers going to be delayed again? The great future Hall of Famer Antonio Gates partially blocking his way for the last couple of years. LCH, though, went and signed former Bronco tight end Virgil Green to a three-year, $8.6 million deal. That's really weird, right? Virgil Green. Nah, bro. Look, Virgil Green is, I think, a very good run-blocking tight end. Yeah. Not a great pass-catching option. Uh, he's a good athlete, if you go look at his uh, combine numbers. Good athlete, but uh, good run blocker, not a great pass catcher. Hunter Henry, obviously, more of that move tight end. I, but still, I, I don't know. I mean, how many two tight end sets are they going to run there uh, with the L.A. Chargers? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, they've had a guy like John Phillips, I think, is like the third tight end who'd been playing a little bit for them every now and again. I guess they just soup that up here with the Virgil Green signing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that the key factor more is just Antonio. I don't care about – yeah, I don't care about Virgil Green. I don't necessarily really care about Antonio Gates either. I think a lot of folks were excited about Hunter Henry, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think some of it last year early, they definitely wanted to get Antonio Gates that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but after that – I don't really understand why they didn't go to Hunter Henry. And I don't. I don't think they know why they didn't go to Hunter Henry. But I think they learned from the error of their ways. And I think you're going to start to see him get more targets. They just have such a crowded passing. That's attack. the. That's what it like is. Like they have Keenan Allen, who's going to demand a hundred twenty. Yeah. yeah, a bulk of it. More than that, probably. Like oh yeah, bulk probably. Of it, but the forty. Yeah, I mean he's he's because he's great. He's incredible. Then you have uh, Tyrell Williams got a second round tender. They still want to use him. They have former first round pick Mike Williams. They probably want to get him more involved if he's healthy. Yeah. They still have Travis Benjamin sticking around, and then yeah. you get into the tight ends. That's and what Melvin I'm Gordon's probably going to catch thirty. That's what I'm saying. Passes. So just not a lot of footballs to go around in in Los Angeles. Uh, Hunter Henry, uh, in terms of price, I would imagine is going to be obviously one of those late round guys. I, I guess. I mean, sign, sure, sign me up just in case he breaks out. He's just going to probably be too expensive. Yeah. I, that's that's the thing for me. Yeah, all these. T- I mean, who cares? After the first few tight ends, like who cares? Even the next guy was home out on the rundown. Like I don't, really, I don't care about him really. <laughs> Austin Safarian Jenkins signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a two-year, ten million dollar deal. That's a big investment in ASJ. Jacksonville then cut longtime Jaguar Mercedes Lewis, and then they also signed former Washington tight end Niles Paul. As I just really well. like Niles Paul. What's up? Uh, yeah, Austin. I'm raising my hand here. Yes. I I. I don't know what the Jaguars are doing. I don't know what they're doing either. Like, I don't I really know. know. Like, I, I get that they like their young wide receivers, right? That they yeah. like D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole, and obviously right. they've made an investment in Marquise Huge Lee. Huge investment um, in Marquise Lee. But, like... And a big um, investment in Dante Moncrief. They get, right. His deal's fully guaranteed but like, for that so one like, year. So they kind of bring in some guys that are... Good, not necessarily great, but then they act like they don't want Blake Bortles to throw the ball because then they go get Andrew Norwell. It signals they're going to run. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing either. I have no idea. It just makes me not really interested in any of these guys for fantasy because I just don't know where the volume is going to come from. For yeah. for a player like ASJ, who while he was really good last year and he bounced back, he still wasn't like a big big play threat or whatever. Maybe we can ask Manish about that when we get him on the phone. But sure. like, I just don't see where the targets are going to come from from him for him, Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief, and these guys like D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole that people are going to want to break out while you're on a run-heavy offense that's still quarterbacked by Blake Bortles. <laughs> you just look at that, remove what you think about any of these players from the equation and just look at it from like yeah. that level. I just don't really see how any of these guys And are I think it's it's it. unfortunate, at least from a fantasy perspective. From real life, it's great because you, you, you're, you're becoming multiple. You're, you're versatile offensively. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's too bad because I tell you what, man, Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook, they were two very young, exciting wide receivers down the stretch. But that was because there was no Allen Robinson. Allen Hearns was on the shelf. I mean, all these guys were, you know, in and out of the lineup. Marquise uh, Lee was, was 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 there. He was pretty good as well. But it, those two guys, man, Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook, those were the guys that I was getting excited about. Yeah. Maybe not so much anymore. Uh, the Jaguars also released Allen Hearns, speaking of, who in 2015 had a huge year, 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now, he's getting a lot of interest from a lot of different teams. Uh, reportedly going to be visiting the Jets, reportedly uh, visiting the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe he goes to Oakland. Uh, there's a lot of different places, uh, a lot of different teams that would have interest in a guy in Allen Hearns who, if he comes in on a cost-controlled basis, is a very nice deep threat scoring option 
uh, outside as a number two wide receiver, which would be good. Yeah, which I, be I'm good. excited to find out where he lands. I think he can ball when he's healthy. Stays healthy. Yeah, yeah. he's got to stay healthy. That's it. Okay, let's go to the phones. We welcome in Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News. He is a Jets insider for Sportsnet New York as well. Manish, we welcome you into the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing well. Uh, we're talking all things Jets here. The big news was that the Jets made a massive move, trading up from six up to three in the upcoming draft. The price, oh my goodness, unbelievable. Not one, not two, but three second-round picks, two in 2018, one more in 2019. Can you break down what you know of the trade and how this deal got done? Well, look, their first priority, and it was no secret, was to sign Kirk Cousins and to have him be their plug-and-play quarterback for hopefully the next six or seven years. Uh, But they knew that that wasn't going to be a slam dunk, and so they did their homework back in January uh, I was told uh, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, they looked at the teams and discussed with the teams ahead of them in the draft what it might take to move up a few spots to position themselves to get one of the top three quarterbacks that they coveted. So when uh, it became clear that Cousins was ultimately going to Minnesota early last week, they pivoted pretty quickly, and that's why it only took about four days of discussions with Indianapolis mm. before they made this deal. They knew that it was a possibility. It was going to be their plan B all along. And obviously, if they had their druthers, they wouldn't have to had given up those three second-round picks. But this is a franchise and an organization that needs a quarterback answer. They preferred Cousins. That didn't happen, so they're going to move on to the next best thing in their eyes. Uh, you mentioned them giving up three second-round draft picks. It's a hefty price, man. I, I think just about damn near everybody, including myself, thought that they overpaid. That being said, why did the Jets feel like they needed to make this move? Well, first, you're right. On paper, three second-round picks to move up three spots is a bit excessive, but I think you've got to factor in the real-life dynamics here, and that is that they desperately needed to do this for a franchise quarterback, and there are other quarterback-needy teams like Denver at 5, Buffalo, who is now surging up the draft board now at 12, don't uh, count out Miami at 11. All those teams are trying to jockey for position to get one of these Mm. quarterbacks. So when you take all of that, into the equation, I, I don't think it's a terrible thing that they gave up those three second-round picks. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out. If they hit on the quarterback, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But uh, yeah. just because it, yeah, you know, it's the fourth year of this Mike McCagnan, Todd Bowles regime. So you ask me why do they feel a pressing need to get a quarterback? They've really had the unenviable uh, honor, I guess is a, is a way of putting it, of having two journeyman quarterbacks in Ryan Fitzpatrick and most recently Josh McCown have career years, and even though that felt good in the moment, I think that has kind of hindered their long-term uh, chances of getting that's a quarterback <laughs> in some of these other couple drafts. So that's where they are, they're at. They, they could not leave this offseason without a quarterback, and that's why they did what they did. All right, so the you, pursuit of a franchise quarterback ends in getting a franchise quarterback. Nobody cares. The what the price is. What you you <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah, one cares yeah. what path you followed on the map as long as long as you got there. It's true. Okay, so now obviously they're thinking about taking quarterback here uh, with the top three pick. Do you have any idea which quarterback they are targeting or, or maybe would prefer uh, at number three? Well, I think they're operating under the assumption that the Cleveland Browns will take Sam Darnold. So hmm. the question for them really okay. becomes, are they going to choose or have the choice, I should say, between Josh Rosen and Josh Allen? Because in their minds, 
those three guys, Darnold, Rosen, and Allen, are cut above everybody else at that position in this draft class, and that includes Baker Mayfield. And even though they really like his competitiveness and uh, his heart and desire, Mayfield I'm talking about, yeah. uh, they don't view him in that same group. So uh, they might not have a choice, and that's what's really interesting about this trade. Typically, when you give up that much draft capital, you're going up for a specific guy that you're targeting, and the Jets really don't know who's going to be available at three because they don't know who the Giants are going to take or what the Giants are going to do at two. Would, would they take Eli Manning's successor, or are they going to trade out so that a Denver or a Buffalo or a Miami can jump in there and take a quarterback? So the Jets are really beholden to what the Giants do ironically. Hmm. Uh, so they might not have a choice. They might just take the, the, the third guy that's left for them. Uh, that's why I think it's intriguing. If they do have an option between the two Joshes, Rosen and Allen, what will they do? Uh, I, I tend to think that they will go with Josh Rosen. Well, look at the guys that are currently on the roster. There's a Josh on the roster and Josh McCown who just re-signed. But then they also go in and get Teddy Bridgewater. And Bridgewater, to me, is kind of a, a an interesting figure, kind of a, a, an enigma a little bit. What is their, their view on him? I mean, is he going to have a chance to compete for the starting job? How do they view him in terms of that quarterback competition? Yeah, Marcus, that was a really interesting signing because, I mean, this is a guy with a pedigree. This is also a 25-year-old quarterback who has taken his team or at least been part of a team that went to the playoffs yet hasn't really played in the last two seasons. He only signed a one-year deal uh, for $6 million, but for all practical purposes, it's just a $500,000 deal at the moment. That's the only amount of money they guaranteed. So there is no assurance that Teddy Bridgewater will be on the week one roster. In fact, I think that if McCown gets through the offseason unscathed, and by that I mean he stays healthy, and he probably will, because they're probably going to put him on ice in the preseason like they did a year ago, and this rookie quarterback they bring in shows enough promise, I'm not sure where there's room for Bridgewater. He's in a precarious spot, right? He is stuck between McCown and the guy who they think is going to be their future quarterback. So the fact that it's a one-year deal with very little guaranteed money uh, leads me to think that you know he he's not guaranteed to be on this team. Uh, it was a peculiar decision, in my opinion, from his end. I cannot believe that he could not find a better situation out there in which there was a clearer path for him to either be the starting quarterback at some point or to be the clear number two. Because right now, there's a, a real possibility that even if he were on the roster, he would be the third-string quarterback. I like the decision for him to go to New York, but... The problem is, you mentioned, 500000 guaranteed. That That's not any kind of investment whatsoever. I'm not surprised by the landing spot. I'm surprised that his, his uh, representation allowed him to take a deal that did not guarantee him, financially anyways, a spot on that roster. Because, as you mentioned, 500000 guaranteed. Uh, he gets another 500000 for a workout bonus. He might not even make it there. I mean, literally, they might just take quarterback at three and just say, "Well, hey, Teddy, uh, thanks, thanks for nothing. Here's five hundred grand. Uh, enjoy yourself." It's just, yeah, the- it's it's curious to me. Go ahead, I'm sorry, Manisha. I think I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, you can hear players and coaches talk about how you know they love playing for this team. They love signing. They signed here because they see a fit, and all that stuff is great. And Teddy Bridgewater actually spoke today about the. Uh, you know, how confident he is in his coaching staff and how confident he is in himself to kind of become the player that he once was. And uh, I have no doubt that he's got tremendous uh, belief in his skill set. But ultimately, when you look at these contracts, that will tell you how the team perceives the player. Right. And the $500,000 guaranteed and then that 
that option bonus, the roster bonus down the line, that really tells you how the Jets view him. Uh, and again, I, I don't think a lot of teams were knocking down his door. And that is a little bit surprising to me, given uh, you know his past success in this league and given his age. But but clearly, uh, you know, even the Vikings uh, weren't any kind of hurry to bring him back. So uh, that gives you a number. That number and, and the details of that contract kind of gives you a, a little bit of insight into into the truth of how the Jets view Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, getting away from quarterbacks, you wrote recently that the, the Jets were making a run at Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, that didn't work out for them. They do sign Isaiah Crowell. Do you see them run it, rolling into the season with this Crowell, maybe Bilal Powell backfield, or do they do something else later in the draft to try and, and get a running back of a Jarek McKinnon-type guy? Well, I think that, that type of player would have been an option if they had gotten Kirk Cousins and kept their two second-round picks. Uh, one of those two second-round picks – you know, very well could have been, uh, you know, the USC kid uh, who, who's a good zone blocking runner, uh, or, or another running back, uh, Ronald, Georgia Ronald kid. Jones, yeah, or, or Sony Michelle. Right. Yeah, I mean, those guys could have been options. They're clearly no longer a part of the equation because the Jets aren't going to pick into the third round. But right. what's interesting about you know what the Jets tried to do in free agency, well, they they really, in an ideal world, like to pair up Jared McKinnon and Isaiah Crowell. If they had signed McKinnon, that would not have precluded them from bringing in Crowell because they see both of those guys as the Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman uh, you know, parallel you. in this offense because the, the Jets are going to run a very similar offense to what Kyle Shanahan runs in uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, the Mike Shanahan fingerprints are all over both of those teams, obviously with Kyle, but with Jeremy Bates, who worked with Shanahan in Denver, and Rick Dennison, who spent the better part of a decade with Shanahan in Denver is now the run game coordinator for the Jets. So a lot of similarities in, in offensive philosophy. And that negotiation was particularly interesting because when you look at what San Francisco ultimately paid Jarek McKinnon, we're talking about $12 million that McKinnon's going to get yeah. in 2018, which is an incredible number. Oh, you know, unbelievable. For a who, yeah, who hasn't really had those types of stats that jump off the page. But uh, that just shows you how much Kyle Shanahan coveted McKinnon and the Jets were the other team that really wanted him. But but because he's not part of the equation, Marcus, what you asked before, I, I think it is going to be a Crowell, a Blau Pal, Eli McGuire combination. You know, they view Isaiah Crowell as that, you know, power running back in this outside zone scheme that they're going to employ. And they want it uh, kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades guy like a Jarek McKinnon who can you can line up in the slot and be a pass-catching option as well. Uh, they don't have that uh, to that level on their roster, but Blau Powell can catch passes. They like Eli McGuire as a third down back as well. So it'll be a mix and match. It's not going to be a situation where uh, Isaiah Crowell is going to morph into the you know the Todd Gurley of this offense mm-hmm. because you know Sean McVay runs a similar offense as well. Uh, Manish, I know you in the past have said that uh, the Jets aren't ready to give up on Robbie Anderson. Uh, is, is that still true? Is there any updates on him, like what, what, how they feel about him? And, and what was he kind of like this, this past season? Obviously, he's a guy who's been arrested a, a couple times here recently. Yeah, his legal entanglements aren't uh, close to being finished. He's got two outstanding issues, and, and they're going to be t- at least uh, in the next coming weeks, next few weeks, are going to uh, kind of move their way through the court system. Uh, I would be surprised, frankly, if Robbie Anderson were not suspended for some portion of the 2018 season for those transgressions. Uh, look, he's a very confident player. The Jets were pleasantly surprised by his production. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a number one in this league. Uh, maybe he's a he's a number two in this league. Regardless, you know, he's a productive player. But uh, you know, some of the the issues he's had off the field, some of the maturity issues, 
clearly need to change or he's not going to be a part of this team uh, beyond this season. I, I don't think they're ready. In fact, I know they're not ready to give up on him just yet, barring any kind of you know, future issues off the field. But, I mean, this is a player who's got a lot of opportunity, a lot of promise. Uh, he just can't blow it. You know, there are a lot of people close yeah. to him that realize that, you know, being around the people that he grew up in in Florida is probably not the best thing for him. Uh, I think he needs a mentor, an older guy to kind of guide him and help him. And, you know, he's had guys uh, on the Jets during the season to, to fill that role. But, okay. you know, when the offseason rolls around, he's on his own. He's a grown man. He's got to and he's got to grow up, for lack of a better phrase. Robbie Anderson arrested on nine different charges, including three felonies. Again, Manish mentioned it. I would be shocked if he is not suspended for part or all of 2018. I'm sure that looming punishment is a big reason why the Jets now interested in guys like Terrell Pryor and Alan Hearns who are coming in for visits uh, into the New York Jets facility. Uh, Two deep threat wide receivers that could provide that vertical speed that Anderson gave them last year. All right, here's my last question for you, Manish. Uh, How hot is the seat for Todd Bowles? Because as you mentioned, uh, a a number of years now have passed under the Todd Bowles. And here's my thing. I thought he did a good job last year. Uh, managing a very difficult situation. As a matter of fact, I think the Jets really overachieved uh, last year. A lot of folks were saying this is a team that legitimately could go 0-16. And I thought they were very competitive in damn near every game they played uh, in 2017. But that being said, it just feels like the fan base not happy with Todd Bowles. How hot is the seat for Bulls, especially given the fact that they got a guy like Jeremy Bates kind of, sort of waiting in the wings there as well? <laughs> Are you promoting Jeremy Bates? I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that's I'm aggressive. Not, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying when there's a hot young yeah, look, name like Jeremy Bates, I don't know, some you know some things it, out there. It, look, I, I think that Jeremy Bates is a terrific coach. I mean, he fell off the map for a while, but if you talk to football people, and the guy is uh, he's brilliant in terms of X's and O's and scheming, and I'm very curious to see what he does with this rookie quarterback. Uh, right. Look, uh, he, the head coach and the GM both got two-year extensions in December. They're, they're technically signed through 2020. That obviously doesn't mean that much. But uh, I think the fact that they're going to go with a rookie quarterback actually helps out Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnin. Good point. uh, You you shouldn't expect miracles in 2018 uh, with a rookie quarterback playing part of the season. I would imagine if he doesn't start week one, at some point, uh, they would turn the reins over and shut the town playing it on fire again. Right. He's going to play, right? So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if they have a winning record, but this quarterback shows promise. They continue to play hard as they did a year ago. I think Bulls will be back. I think Kevin will be back. To, really, the pivotal year in my mind, given the state of this franchise right now, is 2019. They need to make a serious playoff run. They not make the playoffs in 2019. 2018, you know, once they continue to show progress, I think the head coach and the GM are okay. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the ownership has been exceedingly patient, I think, with this with this, uh, with this group of guys, and, and I think they'll give him at least one more year, and then we'll see what happens after Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News. Follow him on Twitter for all things New York Jets-related. M. Mehta, spelled M-E-H-T-A-N-Y-D-N. M. Mehta, N-Y-D-N on Twitter. Follow him there. Manish, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Manish. All right, so... 
I kind of wanted to decompress after that because that's a lot of information that I think Manish gave us. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I, I kind of thought maybe Baker Mayfield was in the mix, but it doesn't sound like he is. Yeah, it, that's going to be a Rosen. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a Rosen Josh Allen uh, type deal there, which I think is interesting. Um, but regardless, you know, again, I don't know how hot the seat is for Todd Bowles, but I do think that they overachieved last year. Can they do it again in 2018? I mean, you, y'all had a, a funny a funny hashtag last year. Never Jets. Never yeah, Jets. Never Which, by the way, and I, I didn't say anything, but the, Manish called me out on it, too, on, on Twitter early oh, in the season. He? Yeah. Yeah, he called me out on the uh, the Never Jets hashtag. I'm glad he called you out since I like, you're, 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 you're the one who started it, and yet I'm the one who gets called out for it. But that's he, appropriate. Um, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's appropriate. You know how he, you know how he knows, though? He, he said he's an ardent listener of the podcast as well. Oh, oh well, good. Oh, so oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, again, it's um, is this, a, is this a, a team that can – you know, I don't want to say replicate because they, they what, they go 5-11 and 11 last year? They weren't very good uh, from a win-loss perspective, but I do think they overachieved because, again, a lot of folks forget going into 2017, uh, people were saying the Jets weren't going to win a game. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess they can, but I think part of it is also that Josh McCown overachieved. I mean, a lot of guys yeah. on that team overachieved. Oh, my God, he did. And you wonder whether or not they can do that again. I, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out here and say they're gonna go 0 and 16. I think I think they have more talent than that, obviously. But uh, I, I think this is Robbie Anderson year, was such a pleasant surprise, such a big part of that. And if he's not there, you know, what does that do for him? Yeah, they do get Quincy Inunua back. Okay, who could certainly help that passing game. True. Uh, you know, curious what happens whether you know, if if they do go with the Crowell, Bilal, Powell. Uh, backfield. I forgot there. about Elijah McGuire. Yeah, <laughs> remember he was like a thing for a week. You know or what two? I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Off the top of my head, I, I see another you know, four and twelve, five and eleven, maybe you see a six and ten if things go well for them kind of season. Sure, but I think I think Manish is right. It is what happens the year after, and like yeah. how how these draft picks develop, and then what they do in free agency that will determine their future. All right, there you go. Um, while we got you guys here, uh, we talked about Isaiah Crowell getting into this Jets backfield mix. Um, it, I guess what's an appropriate area to kind of draft him? Never. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> never? Why never? I mean, he's projected to be a starting running back. Oh, here. who cares? No? It's a probably a, me, a, middle, a middling offense, early down banger. I, I think I felt like I said this when, when he signed. Like, I'm I know. probably not going to be interested in either of these guys. Neither one. No, but, you know, Crowell's going to be the kind of kind of guy that you're, you know, you're in like the sixth round. And, and you never start. And he's hanging and you around. You never want to play. You never want to play one single time during the year. So what's the point? But, you know, he's going to get drafted. Not even as a flex play? So, I'll let somebody else do it. <laughs> What's an appropriate price for him? Never. Right, right now. I mean, forget you, Matt. I'm, I'm talking about normal people. What's a, what's an, people what's that make a, bad decisions? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say six. I think that's a little early. I think he'll go later, especially because he's playing for the Jets. Yep. I think he'll go in the eighth. Right, but I think he'll be like a one hundred uh, eighty to one hundred pick. I keep saying I say this all the time. People are so thirsty for running backs. People just keep reaching. Just, just reach. Stretch. Give it to me. Like you know, well, go get, go get him when one of the other guys gets hurt. And you know, here's an interesting choice. question: Who gets drafted first, Jarek McKinnon or Isaiah Crowell? Oh, McKinnon. Oh, McKinnon, McKinnon by the hype doll, the hype train is going to run, I mean, run people over. Okay. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's fun to talk about uh, these teams hyper, you know, specifically sometimes. So it's nice to, to bring in guys like uh, Manish Mehta. And, and when we talk to uh, Troy Rank uh, about mm-hmm. Denver, it's it's fun. 
to kind of really bore in on some of these teams because, man, they, they bring in some insight that you forget about. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, it was good. It was fun talking to him. Again, follow him on Twitter if you get the chance. All right, let's close out your show with a round of daily daps. Daps, daps, daps. <laughs> uh, we shall start with you, MG My God, Marcus Grant. Uh, I got a couple. One, Yes. Uh, I, last night I had a chance to go see Pacific Rim Uprising, yes. the, the, the sequel to, to – wait, I just have to preface this by saying Pacific Rim, the first one, is a documentary-style look at humanity's future. <laughs> The kaiju are real. The kaiju are real. And we have lagged behind dangerously in our production of Jaegers. <laughs> the kaiju just, they're just chilling. They're coming. The sea they're coming right to now. get us all. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, it's, it's not as good as the original, but it's fun. It's a fun popcorn movie. It's a good matinee. Okay. You know, I, giant I had, robots. I had my concerns. Giant robots fighting other giant robots and giant monsters. Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Yep. Uh, the fight scenes are great. Okay. You know, like I said, it's, not, it's not a great film, but it's a fun film. Okay. So I'll go do that. Good. Uh, but my real dap is uh, to the Franciscoviches. Yeah. yeah. Our man franchise, man. Yeah, He's all franchise. grown up, man. We, uh, we had a chance to go out and, and celebrate with him and his, his lovely new bride, Mackenzie, out in Palm Springs. It was oh, fantastic. It was a gorgeous venue. A gorgeous venue. Awesome. We had a great day. Uh, you know, we, we, we enjoyed the, the festivities. Oh, yes, um, we did. So, uh, but congratulations to our guy, Franchise, and Mackenzie. We wish you the best. And uh, we were, I'm glad just that I was able to be a part of it. Harmon got after it. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> Harmon yeah, yeah, got did. after it. Matt Harmon, what do you got? Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but I can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> yeah, no, my I'll, I'll give a dap to the franchise wedding, too. It was yeah. awesome. It was great to be a part of it. And, you know, Palm Springs is an awesome destination for it, too. So yeah. they really knocked it out of the park. A-plus wedding, good execution. Uh, good good scheme, good execution. Good scheme. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you like to see. Had a lot of, had a lot of talented players involved. Yes. You know. And I'll also give a dap to uh, my dad, who was out here uh, last week. We uh, I know I always feel like I dap like, local places to eat in Los Angeles, which, again, I'm sure is really great for all the people that don't live in Los Angeles but. or the west side of L.A., especially because it's the only place worth going. <laughs> um, west side bubble. Uh, inside the bubble, uh, Santa Monica Steakhouse, Meat on the Ocean. Phenomenal, expensive, but phenomenal. That's wow. why I went there with my dad. Okay. Uh, and we, had a, <laughs> <laughs> we had a damn good meal there. Uh, they got, like, cheese cheese and meat plates and then obviously the steak and everything. It's You guys, at least. Christina, everybody here, you yeah. should go try it. I don't know about the people listening who don't live here. Yeah. They don't care about this, yeah. but you all should try it. Okay, so here's my question. <laughs> here's, here's my question. At the end of the meal – it, it, was there that like slight like half second moment of like hey who's picking up this tab? I was or? like well you know dad I mean we could split it. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call, good move. Uh, daily daps for me, um, Franciscovich wedding. If you want to find some of the pictures on Instagram, they got a little hashtag. It's uh, Francisco Hitch. I forgot to use the hashtag. Way to yeah, go. Me too, me too. Francisco Hitched is the hashtag if you'd like to find it and uh, enjoy those photos. Uh, on the intranets. Um, I will also give a daily dap to uh, Urban Dictionary. They always win. It's great. Um, I went to Google, and, and if you guys want to do this, you can as well. It's always fun. You can Google, what does Ric Flair drip mean? And go to the Urban Dictionary for that. But uh, it is... It's very fun. Maybe I should just – should I look it up now? I am just I'm, – I'm What Googling. does Rick – no 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 no, 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 no. Don't say it on the podcast. Let people look yeah, it up. Go, yeah. Okay. Let people look it up. Okay. You can look it up. Anyways, it is uh, – go look it up on Urban Dictionary. It's actually quite funny um, because it's it's nonsensical. And, um, well, I guess the phrase is nonsensical too as well. But anyways, regardless, it's fun times. 
I love Urban Dictionary. It gave me a good, solid chuckle. Uh, so there you go. Producer Christina, close us out. What do you got? Um, I'm daily dapping uh, the Kentucky men's basketball team. Okay. Shock. Uh, <laughs> I have to. I have to. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> we play tomorrow. Okay. So I'm sure all of you guys are going to be watching and rooting uh, for my cats. Uh, probably not. Who are they playing? <laughs> Um, they have an easy draw now that everyone got upset. Literally, all the top seeds are gone. Yeah, UNC's out, so I don't even have to <laughs> pretend to care anymore. North Carolina <laughs> gone, Arizona gone, Virginia gone. See, all the more uh, reason to what is happening? We play Kansas State. Kansas so State. So, all oh, the more reason game. to be a Kentucky fan. So, it's Wildcat v. Wildcat. Wildcat on Wildcat violence. It is. It's yeah. going to be Blue Wildcat v. Purple yeah, Wildcat. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a battle of the terrible Wildcat logos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. K-State's mascot, though, trips me out because it's a normal human body <laughs> with a, cat, with a head. cat head. Mascots are pretty wild. I mean, but I mean, I, I don't. I like mascots. Right, but it's not. He's not all furry. He's just like. It's like if you just. No, put it's a just head, a normal. It's like, it's yeah. Like my, and if uh, Harmon, if you just put a mascot head on, but had your regular clothes on. Yeah. That's that's their mascot. that's their that mascot. Pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's. Feel like I could do some damage if I had a you know cat head. I would be like some sort of monster. Because what? Yeah. What? Well, what would that monster be called? Half cat, half human. Catmon. Cat Harmon. <laughs> Cat <laughs> Harmon. There it is. I think that was actually a parody account that for a while. Okay. There you go. All right. Oh, that's no. probably a sign to sign yeah, off yeah, there. Yeah. All right. What a great show we had here today for Matt Harmon, for MG My Guy Marcus Grant, for producer Christina. I'm James Coe. We'll catch you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.